All right, we're back. Another edition, another episode. Um, we were just talking off air. We've uh, we would have been doing this five months next week. So happy anniversary. And we were also talking about how we miss football. So yeah. as much as we love our other sports, and as much as we love March, football is our. Uh, I know it's mine. I know it's yours. It's our bread and butter. Yeah, I do got some great. Do we understand stories? Of course. Um, this weekend's a little different going back to our football roots again with weekend preview, um, dive into every single matchup in the sweet 16, because by the time our next recording happens, it'll be elite eight. So we'll have a lot to talk about and recap over the next couple of days. Um, but let, let's, um, before we get started here, Ryan, I, uh, I took a nap today, but before I took a nap, I was listening to music to help me go to sleep. Uh, for for my uh, quick cat nap, and I did that on my favorite service, Amazon Music. I was listening to uh, Ava Levine. She was uh, she was putting me to sleep, not not in a bad way, just you know soothing me into that cat nap. Right, that's an important distinction because when you talk about a movie putting you to sleep, it's a bad thing. But comfort comfort shows and comfort music is a completely different thing. Um, so huh, you're. I feel like in all of our discussions, this this is going to shock you a little bit. So I like to switch up my playlist every now and then. You know, I've talked about some rap. I've talked about rock. I've talked about metal. Um, you want to take a shot at what I was listening to today with my playlist? Uh, knowing the way you worded that, probably something wild. Disco. <laughs> yeah, that's I, crazy. I, I threw it back to the 70s. I was listening to a little bit of disco. Uh, Boney M. I also had... Um, uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire, Cool in the Gang, a little bit of everybody. It was uh, it was wild, but I also threw in some rock and, and rap too. I don't understand how my music taste works, but the good thing is, is on Amazon Music, it doesn't matter how your music taste works. You can find anything you like on Amazon Music from playlists catered to you and in your interest. Also, you can make playlists on your own accord if you're like me and like to just completely throw some monkey wrenches in there every now and again. Monkey Wrench, also a great song by Foo Fighters. So great keep, that on your, keep that on your playlist too. But when you sign up for Amazon Music, make sure you sign up using our link, which is getamazonmusic.com backslash 2RyanSports to sign up today to get all those playlists, access to all of those millions upon millions of songs that Amazon has. Uh, I have a band that has a new song coming out tomorrow, or, or today actually, as you're listening to this, Gojira, Amazonia. So all kinds of great stuff happening. But again, that link to sign up to get listening today, get amazonmusic.com backslash two Ryan sports, sign up, make your playlist, listen to a little music. It's such a great service. You got choked up towards the end of that ad read. I Well, asthma also helps with that. That's a. Yeah. Um, probably after uh, we get done recording, I'm going to listen to Limp Biscuit because they're the featured act in uh, this early 2000s WrestleMania. So. There's a there's a festival I'm looking at going to this year um, in Friends September. Service. Hopefully we're able to do it. And I I I just feel like Limp Biscuit's going to be on the lineup. I don't know why, but I just feel like they're going to be there. That's a classic early two thousands uh, thing as well. Saliva, Limp Biscuit, and then uh, throw Drowning Pool in there. Yeah, Evanescence is coming on next. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they'll be on next. Um, so let let's uh, let's do it. Hot take six, Ryan. Uh, why don't you go? All right, sounds good. Well, I like I like this pick 'em game, so I, I like to do that. Um, so I have th- 
three different sports here. Um, I'm going to let you choose which one we do first because I don't necessarily have a preference. Um, I have hockey, I have NASCAR, and I have baseball. Let's do the NASCAR. Let's do the NASCAR. All right. So this is actually this is actually fun, um, and and I'll touch on it again in our weekend preview. But oh, here we go. Well, Limp Biscuit, folks. Yeah. This is bad radio, but Limp Biscuit is currently killing it behind Ryan on a team. Oh, Fred Durst. <laughs> yeah. The legend himself. All right. All right. Back to NASCAR. Nothing to do with Fred Durst. This weekend, if you are not a NASCAR fan, this is the one weekend you need to tune into NASCAR. This upcoming race weekend will be the best race of the season. It's going to be Bristol. And it's going to be on dirt. For the first time in 50 years, the NASCAR Cup Series is racing on dirt this weekend. So they've ran just regular tracks for 50 years, obviously. Uh, but the route's obviously on Daytona Beach. And then, you know, you, you all can look up the story. But they have completely covered Bristol Motor Speedway in dirt. So what is already a fun track to watch, they are adding in the dirt element to NASCAR. So these cars are pretty much going to be sliding all over the place. I think it favors a couple drivers, but my hot take is, is this is going to be the best race of the best race of the year. All NASCAR fans or non-NASCAR fans, I should say, tune in because this is going to be exactly what you want to see in a racing mode. It's going to be a lot of slipping and sliding and a lot of chaos on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I don't know how to answer that because I haven't watched uh, maybe more than like five minutes all year of NASCAR, and that's typically how it is for me. But sure, if it's if you're saying it's the best race, then great. I thought Daytona, though, was like their Super Bowl, but I guess you're saying this is the biggest race, although it's going to get sandwiched between everything, right? It's going to get sandwiched between golf basketball trade deadline happened today and it's also going to get sandwiched between sweet 16 so who knows what the ratings will be um but i feel like what network are they on now are they on fox uh they're on fox now so typically if my knowledge serves me correct they do about the first half of the season on fox and then transition to nbc for the back half right around their playoff time so how many ads for the mass singer and dancer pop up it's too many. Annoying. Yeah, it's annoying. Now I'm I'm not gonna hate, but I'm I'm not a fan of the mass singer. I tried, I just I can't get into it. For mm. those who love it, good on you. But I just I couldn't personally. Yeah, it's it feels forced when they do ads for stuff like that. I, yeah, I don't know. We'll we'll, we'll see. Maybe I'll tune in. It's um it's it's funny though because to hear the NASCAR announcers talk about the masked singer. I mean, I guess it happens with like hockey too, when NBC is promoting something it, that, that definitely sounds forced. Um, but if, if, if you ever been to the racetrack back home, the rock out in, uh, out at the Allegheny fairgrounds, never been to a race at all. Okay. Well, I was going to say, I would equate it to that. It'll just be chaotic. I mean, these are obviously the best of the best, but just going to be interesting to see a completely different, something that we've never seen before in NASCAR as, as people and, Currently, as the Undertaker rolls down the stage there behind you, that um, that really gets me going because I'm I'm a big Undertaker guy. Yeah, that's when the streak was still alive. I, I yeah, even as a non a non passionate wrestling fan, I will say the fact that they broke the streak is one of the dumbest moves in wrestling history. But I digress. Yeah, 
for my first story, <laughs> man, uh, Jeff Bezos just, is he going to be president one day? I mean, the guy, they finalized the deal this week for exclusive rights to Thursday night football. And I'm kind of tag teaming this story into one because they might, if things go well for Thursday night football broadcast for them exclusively, it might turn into a playoff game, which I don't feel like with the success of the Nick playoff game that everyone made fun of, I feel like they're actually going to keep it on Nickelodeon. They're not going to take that away. So who would you bump out? Because it seems like Sunday night football going forward is going to be simulcast every week, including the playoff game that NBC gets on Peacock and NBC, which I think is a brilliant move. But in the scheme of all this, they're talking about this week going into meetings and you have the draft and everything else coming up. They're talking about adding a Black Friday regular season game going forward one game a year for Black Friday. So that means two teams are going to play on Fridays. But it seems like the NFL is trying to position themselves better for future media rights and my hot take here is I'm, I'm on the fence because what you don't want to do is you don't want to hurt your partners in Fox and CBS, which I think those relationships are fine. But what you want to do is you want to make sure you have a balance because if anyone wants anything in this world in, in the U S it's an NFL game. So who's going to be the, the person left out. It wasn't ESPN like they thought, thought it would be because they they're going to get two Super Bowls in the future, but it seems like they're trying to position themselves for, for different strategy and knowing that streaming is going to have to be the way going forward, but they want to keep their, their regular cable broad, broadcast partners as well. So I don't know how I feel about the Black Friday game because I feel like that is exclusively reserved for WVU in Oklahoma. Haven't they played on Black Friday like the last three years or something like that? That and, that, and that's just a college uh, football day in general. I mean, yeah, that's one yeah. of the biggest college football days of the year. Right. I, I just feel like I, I just feel like I eat turkey or ham or chicken on Thursday, nap during the Lions game, watch a little bit of the Redskins game, pay attention to the eight o'clock game, and then I watch college football, and then I watch college football again. Like that's, I, I don't know. Like that, I'm, I don't know how I'm going to feel about adding an NFL game to the Friday because I kind of like my. I kind of like my uh, Thanksgiving week set the way that it is right now. But look, the NFL, I think, has the most leverage as far as any league in terms of TV contracts, because as we've talked about on this show before, the NFL owns a day of the week. In, in the fall, the NFL owns Sundays. And, and that is just that's just a fact. So the NFL is going to have the most leverage in, in negotiating these because, well, people are going to turn eyes on to it no matter what they do, whether it's the Saturday games, whether it's a Friday game. Um, Sunday games continued or Nickelodeon playoff games. It doesn't matter. People are going to find ways to watch it. I think you're only going to see the NFL's contracts get bigger. And who knows where these partners are going to go. I mean, certainly Nick's not going to be a full-time broadcast NFL platform, but you are going to see it move into the streaming platforms more. Uh, Amazon might take that over, like you said, with Thursday night football, but the NFL is, People have talked about all oh, the NFL is going to fail. It's going to fall when, how much long NFL is not going anywhere. I hate to tell you, but people are still going to play football and the NFL has all the power when it comes to this and, and they will for some time.
Well, that's what I'm saying. A- Amazon finalized the deal this week to become the exclusive home of Thursday Night Football. It's not going to be a simulcast anymore, you know, half Fox, half Amazon. It's 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 full on Amazon. So NFL has been dipping their toes in the water with Amazon back and forth for like nine, 10 years now. And I wonder what will happen if the success is so good that nine or 10 years from now, we could see a, a possible Super Bowl on Amazon, which I don't think would ever happen, but you never say never. I think if you were to ask people even five years ago, 10 years ago, um, you know, rate, rate as Amazon was gaining popularity that would you watch a game on Amazon? What do you mean would I watch a game on Amazon? What I don't think anybody would have ever expected that Amazon would even be in this realm where they have something like, I mean, this is, this is obviously going deeper into the maybe even entertainment side of it, but the way that Amazon's come up and then they've introduced prime, which is basically an addicting thing for everybody who has it because free shipping is fantastic. But then moving into the video realm where you can rent movies, you can rent shows, you can watch shows for free, but with it, now you can also watch football games. I don't think it's crazy to think that you could see a Super Bowl or maybe a championship game on Amazon in the future. I think it's just going to depend on how these contracts play out, but moving them to the Thursday night exclusive provider is the, it's kind of the first step in that, in that, because that's penetrating one, uh, what's the best way to say exclusive game that the NFL has anyway, because Sunday it's a little bit tougher to market because you have everything kind of adjusted with CBS and everything, but it, it's not shocking at all that Amazon's like, look, we're going to take that one over. Also, too, the, the Fox broadcast and NBC broadcasts of, of Thursday Night Football never really felt like they were it anyway. So, Well, Fox felt a little bit more important because they were using their A-team. NBC sure. used Tarico, who's an A-plus broadcaster in Collinsworth, but that was that's not their A-team for now. Right. Uh, Last thing I'll say is, do you remember before Amazon took over the streaming aspect of Thursday Night Football, you know where it was before on streaming, before Amazon got it? This will be a fun Jeopardy question years down the road. Quibi. (laughs) It was on Twitter. It was on Twitter, streaming on Twitter for two to three seasons before Amazon took over in like 2016. Hmm. I seemingly don't remember that, but I'm, I'm also the guy that had an iPod up until last year. So my resistance to my resistance to technology is, is not iPod. Wow. Yeah. Well then, then the world announced that iTunes was no longer a thing. And I was like, okay, so you're forcing me into the, into the realm of it it makes sense. So, but Amazon music for the win. So now I have a place to listen to all my music. Yes. Okay, so second one here, I'm going to go with um, I'm going to go with my baseball story, but I'm also going to encompass football in it. Uh, I don't even know if this is a hot take. This is just something that needs to happen, and I'm I'm going to be the I'm going to be the champion behind it. We are a week away, well, six days away now from opening day. Opening day for baseball and the day after the Super Bowl should be national holidays. That that's just the absolute truth. Because the Super Bowl, everyone's watching it. And if and if you're even if you're not watching it, you have it on, you're eating the food, you're participating in Super Bowl festivities. But opening day is kind of that for baseball as well. And it's America's pastime. 
Now I realize baseball is not the big professional sport anymore. Um, I actually have the day off to get some other things done, but I'm certainly going to watch the pirates as painful as that may be in some, in some cases, but opening day and the day after the super bowl should be national holidays. Again, I don't even know if that's a hot take, but do you have any other days that you would add into that that we could say are sports national holidays to really solidify the American experience of giving holidays to sports? Cause that's what matters. Opening weekend of March madness, but they've done studies on that where it like, this isn't like my opinion. Like they have done government studies, which I, I don't know why they did studies like that, but whatever that, it's the least productive week of the year is opening week of March madness. And then, uh, yeah, premier league championship Sunday. <laughs> nah, just playing. Um, by the way, they did announce, uh, the calendar for the, uh, start and end of the season next year, premier league. And they're going to have full fans if the UK lifts their restrictions on June. So that means we'll see Manchester United play someone with 15,000 people in the stands, which that seems a little, little uh hopeful thinking at this point but whatever but uh, who knows opening day is a fun day but then you realize you got 161 more games <laughs> so opening day is cool but it's not like like baseball will start at noon and end at like 1 30 or 2 in the morning but and i feel like everyone watches opening day and then it's like okay let's worry about this come june so the one thing that I'll say again about opening day is, is one thing that people don't talk about with opening day, opening day is cold, especially if you're a fan of like a Northeastern or a Midwestern team. I won tickets to one a few years back for the Pirates and it was snowing. I mean, it was snowing at PNC Park during the game. And then the other one, I remember going with a friend of mine and her and I basically just sat there all day wrapped up in our sweatshirts and stuff because it was so cold. It's like people associate baseball as a cold or a warm weather sport. And I get that because it happens mainly through May, June, July, August, but don't, don't forget about those March and April games where it's absolutely crazy cold in those first games. I mean, I guess the Florida Marlins don't care about that or the Miami Marlins don't care about that, but us, us in Pittsburgh, man, we're, we're suffering in more ways than one. Yeah, game one, it's fun to watch. Then there's 161 more of them. And you kind of forget about it during the dog days of summer because it's just all baseball. We get we do get the fun. Um, it's um, AT&T Sportsnet now being a Pirates and a Penguins fan. We do get the uh, bucks and pucks throughout the first part of the season. So that's that's definitely fun. It either upsets the baseball fans or the hockey fans. It depends who you ask. But as a fan of both, I really don't care. I'll, I'll take either. But, you know, clever, clever journalism there. This is NBA uh, trade deadline day. Really the, the key thing, Mark Saldridge, once he finishes buyout with the Spurs, he will go down to Miami. And Victor Oladipo, Houston's all in on the rebuilding phase, right? There's no questioning that anymore they've had a 20 they had i don't know if they lost their game the other night but uh at one point last week they've had a 20 game losing streak so they they are as far as in rebuilding mode as you can be and they're they're looking for the future <sighs> tell you what okc they've stocked up on draft picks they have 
uh, between the, the next couple of years. They have 17 first round picks and 17 second round picks, a lot of assets to get players or pieces, maybe even get some, some more draft capital if you want to look at it that way. But Victor Oladipo going to my, down to Miami, uh, Nikola Vujicic going to Chicago. So some nice, big, notable deals. Rajon Rondo going from the Hawks to the Clippers. That doesn't feel as notable anymore. Maybe in 2008, that would feel notable. But some key moves. Look, Miami, they, they've had their struggles, right, with the Myers-Leonard thing. We're not going to get into that because that was disgusting what he did. They also were in the finals last year. Yeah, in the bubble, you can look at it that way. But they're building themselves up a nice little team. They got Bam, Bam Adebayo. They got Jimmy Butler. They're going to have LaMarcus Aldridge for whatever his value is going to be now. He'll, he'll be more of a role player. But Victor Oladipo, I don't know why he keeps getting traded. It feels like he's a he's not, he's not one of the top 10 guys, but he's not a B-plus player either. He's right on that second tier, like 11 or 12, right outside the top 10. But he keeps finding himself on the trading block. It's not his fault, though, that Houston's just garbage and they're they're rebuilding but Miami's going to find themselves I wouldn't be surprised if they find themselves in the Eastern Conference Finals well I think when when you have a player like him I, I think what it is is almost like he's right on that trading block and I'm speaking of all the depot here specifically he's not a franchise guy but he's good enough to help teams win and he's good enough to help teams kind of get to the next step he's not going to be the guy that you again build the team around but I think that's why he moves around so much, just because that's that's who he is. But I am I am of all things of the trade deadline, the thing that fascinates me the most is OKC. Because in the world of basketball today, it feels like you build teams by saying you want to play with these guys and then you find a team to do it. That's, that's at least how it feels because we saw it with LeBron James in Miami. Uh, we saw it with even the, the Clippers a little bit. Uh, we saw it with the Lakers and LeBron James again. <clears throat> we see it with the Nets now this year. The Thunder are basically banking on the fact that they're going to be able to draft and hopefully keep these players uh, or use it as capital to bring other players in. So I, I think this is either going to be one of the smartest moves or one of the dumbest moves in NBA history. Because to have 34 draft picks over how many seasons is it again? I, I forget the number, but 17 first rounders, 17 second rounders. Right. And I know it's not over like an extent. It's not like over a 10 or 12 year period. It's no, within no, no, like no. a shorter time frame. So th I think that's just fascinating because I don't feel like NBA teams and, and not all of them, but I feel like just in general, the NBA is not a league that you're always building through the draft anymore. Uh, just because of the way that players kind of take control of their own contracts and, and fate. Um, but OKC's either got a really good plan or it will turn out to be a really bad plan at the end of this. But that's a it's it's interesting to say the absolute least. Aaron Gordon also going to Denver, that felt just like a wash because here's a guy that was a top five draft pick, had one of the craziest dunk contests ever one of the top two, three dunk contests of all time was Zach Levine. And he's just kind of, that's what he's remembered for. He's just well, kind of a forgotten piece. Nothing wrong with that. I think it's just, there was a lot more expectations for him in Orlando. 
I don't think did him any favors keeping him around as long as they did. Also, um, Lonzo Ball is being rumored to be trade, but that didn't happen. And then kind of buried, the last thing I'll say about the NBA, kind of buried in the NBA trade deadline madness. By the way, Trish Stratus walking down the aisle behind me. The Lakers are the first professional sports team where there's going to be mass vaccinations given to basically anyone who wants one on their sports team. So that hasn't happened in soccer. That hasn't happened in football, baseball, none of it. Lakers are going to be the first team to experience something like that where the vaccination is widespread use. And I don't know when it's happening exactly, but they're the first, they're going to be the first team to have a chance essentially getting vaccinations if they want them. So I, I actually just got a notification where the NFL was going to encourage it, but nothing obviously to the point where they'll have it um, mandatory. But I, I think it's a, I, I don't think you can make it mandatory, but I also think that you'll see a lot of players and staffs and coaches move towards that direction in all sports, regardless, because they want to, they, they want to play it safe rather than sorry when it comes to it. Uh, look, I, I don't know if any of these moves at the trade deadline are really going to affect anything for the for the rest of the season. I know that there's some big names on the move, uh, but I think what I think what your point is, and, and the one that I take away from it too, is the Heat are really trying to make another run at the final, and and that's ultimately what I think is the biggest story out of this deadline. Uh, other than that, the other team, the other team in Florida, uh, also just cleaning house and basically just saying, yeah, we know we're not great, so we'll try again over the next 10 years because it's been since about Dwight Howard, if I'm not mistaken, that they've been relatively competitive. So yes. why not just sell the farm again? So all the power to the heat. Uh, it might also make the nuggets a little bit better with the addition of Aaron Gordon. But um, again, I'm, I'm watching OKC. That's the team that fascinates me the most. And, and I don't know why, but that draft is just, it's, it's fascinating. I don't know if there needs to be a 30 for 30, but I do think there needs to be some sort of documentary, maybe, maybe even 40 minutes. I don't know. When we look back on sports, that'll be one of the most fascinating things that's that never, if they would have stayed together and OKC wouldn't have got rid of them. Mm -hmm. Having James Harden, Russell Westbrook and KD all on the same team at one point when they were all very young in their careers, they get to a final, lose 4-1. That's one of the most fascinating stories in sports that never, never took shape, basically. And they had some, now not obviously at their level, but they had other good players on that team too, if I'm not mistaken, right? Like Serge Ibaka, Kendrick Perkins. Yeah, like real okay. key guys. That's, that's what I thought. I didn't think I was crazy on that. So, I mean, it's definitely a potential championship team, but... <clears throat> I think you'll see that eventually. I, th I think it might be after these guys retire, but I, I don't think that's out of the question. In fact, I would welcome it too. So get that together, NBA, the the last dance too, or whatever you want to call it. All right. So my last one here has to do with hockey. As I mentioned earlier, uh, I'm sure you probably saw and many of our listeners probably heard. Uh, there was a clip from a game. I believe it was two or three nights ago now. Uh, NHL referee Tim Peel basically saying on a hot mic that he wanted to get a call for Nashville early, basically as a makeup call in a game. Uh, and that set the Twitter and hockey and just sports world in general ablaze, uh, saying that 
Well, you know, it's, it's admitted that refs make makeup calls and that we have a problem with this. I, my hot take is, is I, I don't have a problem with this because you know what, you know, it happens. We've known this happens for years. I, I, I didn't need Tim Peel to say it on a hot mic to say that he was making a makeup call or wanted to get a makeup call to know that referees make makeup calls. It's, it's so obvious in the realm of sports and maybe a little bit different in, um, you know, I would exclude maybe baseball, well, I guess baseball falling in and in the, in the balls and strikes realm, but you know, in, in more subjective sports, they're all subjective, but like basketball and hockey where the hand fouls can be a little bit discerning depending on who the referee is. I'm not shocked by this at all. In fact, I don't even necessarily have a problem with him saying it because again, we all know this. What, what, what is different about this than what we already knew as fans in the back of our mind anyway? Nothing, nothing's different. I did see someone compare, I, I think it was on social media, this guy to Tim Donahue. No. I mean, no. give me a break. Like that's not even close. What Tim Donahue did was shaving points off games to cover spreads. That's completely different. This guy, he's banned from hockey now for the rest of, you know, his life. He can't call any games anymore. He's blacklisted, essentially. I felt like that was an overreaction. But in the big scheme of things, I guess they're trying to protect the integrity of the game, uh, which is saying a lot coming from Gary Bettman, of all people. Well, so I also heard last night um, on the on the Penguins broadcast they were on NBC, so I was I was watching that. But they said that Tim Peel was actually set to retire at the end of the season anyway, so his last game was going to be on like April eighth or so. I don't know the exact date, but point is, is this guy was like two or three weeks away from retirement anyway. So basically them saying, oh, well, he's done forever is basically almost giving him an early retirement because he's still going to be paid through it. So, but, but again, I think comparing him to Tim Donaghy, that, that is a, that is, that's, harsh. that's, that's harsh because what he did was completely manipulate the outcome of games where I, I genuinely think referees get a bad rap. I really do. Referees have one of the toughest jobs in the world where they're subjected under a microscope every single thing that they do by fans, by their bosses, by players, by co- everyone is watching referees when they're on the on the field, on the ice, whatever they're doing. And <laughs> they are not most of them. Tim Donaghy was most of them are not manipulating these calls to influence the outcome of games. I genuinely do not believe that by any stretch. That is not what Tim Peel was doing. This was him saying, I'm going to make a makeup call because that was a bad call. Eh, you know, again, maybe don't say that on a hot mic, but I'm not going to act like we haven't seen that in a football setting where your team gets a tacky pass interference call. And then you get a makeup call later in the game on that. And yes. you even say it on your couch. Oh, that's a makeup call from earlier. We know. We know. By the way, I don't ever want to have the debate with you because it'll put me to sleep. Please let's never have the Pete Rose uh, Hall of Fame debate because he gambled on baseball. Should he be in the Hall of Fame? That's probably the most boring debate in sports, along with who's better, Michael Jordan or LeBron, and who's the better uh, Olympic basketball team, 2012 or 1992. Those are three all-time just put me to sleep, I'll take a nap uh, type, type sports debates. Let's never let's never do those. But Tim Donahue, that 
I, I want to die. You know, he has a movie uh, about him, right. but it, it's a really crappy movie. Um, I, I haven't watched it, but uh, like it has a 20%, I think, on Rotten Tomatoes. Like, so it's not worth watching, but the story is fascinating. The story is fascinating. Um, but what, what this guy did was not Tim Donahue. So, it's not even close. No. So I do have one entertainment story in my hot take six. And <laughs> I cannot believe they caved. I cannot believe Disney caved after putting their feet basically in cement for the last year and a half saying, hey, we're going to theaters, we're going to theaters, we're going to theaters, we're going to theaters. Well, you know the model that they took, right? They took the HBO Warner Brothers route, which is their way of saying we're going to cave, but we also want to have our cake and eat it too. The HBO Warner Brothers route is, hey, we're going to put movies out on our service the same day they go in theaters. However, it'll be 30 days, no extra price. Cruella, I, I, I don't know why they did that as a live action movie, by the way. Uh, the Cruella from, from Disney villain, but who knows? May, I'm sure I'll watch it because it has Emma Stone and whatever. But that's a Disney Plus and theaters same day. And Black Widow. Black Widow, a movie that is projected before the pandemic started. It's one of those classic Marvel monsters that you look at and you wouldn't be surprised if it made like $600, $700 million at the box office. But they're doing the same thing. Theaters and premier access. Disney's premier access, though, is a little strange because you got to pay 30 bucks. So it's essentially them getting their way of the box office numbers. But I am so, so in on this that it's such a win, I think, because this is something no one thought was possible at all. At all. And they finally caved. And um, I mean, they rule the world anyway. But that's that's one of the most brilliant things I've seen. By the way, Hamilton. I'm in the middle of watching Hamilton. Uh, still got an hour left to go. It's long, but it's, it's definitely good. I, I do think there are some parts that could be cut out, though, if that makes sense. So right now, it's like a 7 out of 10 for me. Fair enough. I, I think we... We experience that with long things, long movies anyway. But um, going back to Corella for a second, I would like to ask the question that I typically ask with movies of this variety. Who asked for it? I don't think anyone asked for a biopic on Cruella from the Disney Dalmatians ever. No, she's like a, I'm, I'm not exactly sure how to describe it, but she's never a main character in, in I mean, I guess essentially she is, but she's the villain. Like, is Disney getting into the villain game now? Or are you going to paint Corella as a good person? Because she's well, not. It, apparently it's supposed to tell the story of how she became Cruella, the bad villain that we know from the Dalmatian movies. It's essentially the story that it'll be telling. I, I, don't, I don't need that. So... I'll, I'll wait for it to come to the free streaming service. I don't think I'll be paying extra yeah. for that to, to see that one quick. But look, you know, Disney, Disney is, I feel like Disney should be the one that's on top of everything because they are the ones that rule the world. So who, who knows when, when the world will actually be quote 
back to normal of, of what we speak. So I, I think you just have to follow the trends in something like this and, and move and stay in the streaming model. But I mean, look, people want to be back in theaters. Um, but also too, I, I think with the, the Corella story, at least you have to give me something I want to watch too. So that, that also kind of plays into it. Uh, I've said that with movies for years is I, I have not, but you know, also too, I, I feel like I, I may see it a little bit different because you and I both know back where we're from, um, you know, we don't always get the Oscar winning movies. We get the, yeah. you know, what's, what's super popular and whatever movie Adam Sandler just did for the last year. So you, you kind of have to pick and choose. We're not getting the parasites of the world. There are the biggest and baddest movies. So but I think it's, I think I can see it both ways. Look, I, I think we all want to be back to normal and be back in theaters in that realm. But also too, you have to stay with what's going to make you money during this time of uncertainty. And let's be honest, it's going to be a massive juggernaut on Disney Plus, Black Widow. Oh, absolutely. Like people are gonna, I, I'm going to be one of millions of people that will show out the $30 to sit at my house and create a movie theater atmosphere because here's what's fascinating about the whole thing ryan by the time black widow comes out on july 9th it will have been two years two years since the movie has finished production and a year and a half since it was supposed to originally be be released in theaters that's incredible so it's going to be a juggernaut and another movie they're talking about pushing they don't know yet to the Disney plus Disney well the Disney plus theater model same day thing whatever is uh, Jungle Cruise the rocks movie that was based on Jungle Cruise the ride from Disney World with um, uh, Emily Blunt uh, Jim from the office wife so we'll see I it I can't believe they caved I will say one thing that doesn't have to do with this I watched, and, and I know you're a documentary guy, mm -hmm. if, if you don't mind, before basketball starts, or it's only like an hour and 20 minutes long, watch the documentary on the last blockbuster on Netflix. What a great watch that was. I don't like how they told it from this perspective of like this poor lady, she's keeping the last blockbuster alive. But the, the story about how blockbusters, where, where it got to is fascinating. I don't think you have to, we, we understand the poor lady keeping the last blockbuster. That, that has to be a job in itself, but I actually did put that in my queue. I, I saw it. It was on my uh, suggested list whenever I, I logged into, into Netflix. So I, I have that ready to go. That'll be on one of my next watches. Uh, I actually restarted the keepers. I don't know if you ever have seen that yeah. documentary, but that's, that's a, that's a worth watch, but yeah, the, the last blockbuster will be one of my next watches because well, that's fascinating. You want to talk about nostalgia for a 90s, 2000s kid going into Blockbuster on Saturdays or Friday nights. That's nostalgia, baby. Just the guy that talks about in, in the documentary about how his favorite thing to do is get up, walk across the tracks or drive across the tracks wherever he lives, go down, walk into a video store, smell the movies, smell the popcorn and the soda drinks and browse the aisles for movie. It reminded me of man that was an exhausting time <laughs> like as a kid it was like a reward like and my parents would take me like hey you get to go rent a movie tonight but you know then you get there and you have so many selections and it's like oof I don't know what I can choose here well it's wild because like so and, and I don't think I'll be ruining anything if I ask this question but like 
I remember Blockbuster when I was renting Nintendo 64 games. Like that, that's how old I am. That's how old we are. As we remember, I remember renting the N64 games. So in this Blockbuster, are they renting Blu-rays or do they still rent like DVDs and VHSs? Because we, I might have to go to Oregon and have a conversation with these people. For the the most part, it's Blu-rays, but this is not a spoiler alert because it shouldn't shock you that people go to Oregon just to see the last remaining blockbuster. Like people have flown all over from the world, like Spain and like Australia, like 16, 17 hour flights just to see the last remaining blockbuster. Like, I don't even, I I know we had video stores where we're from, but I don't remember a blockbuster. Maybe the only one uh, was probably down in the hole where um, CC's and Martin's was. No one, none of our listeners from outside this area is going to know what we're talking about. But I mean, that's the only place that I think there might've been one. That there was one. Cause I remember going there all the time. That was the, that was the only blockbuster that I remember. Kaiser had a stars, did it not? Yeah. We had a stars and a new view video. Okay. That's what I thought because it was there by like where the Orioles club is now. So if yeah. you're in a different state listening to this and you're not familiar with Kaiser, West Virginia and Cumberland, Maryland, we would like to deeply apologize that you don't know where any of this is. So- also apologize to our international listeners because that, they, they will have no idea. Um, <laughs> Ryan, so I got some fantastic, fantastic do we understand stories before we get to weekend recap. I don't think you're ready. By the way, I switched. We have no longer wrestling on in the background. I'm in 1986 for Saturday Night Live. We, we have to switch it up just to keep everything, um, everything right for everybody. So, yeah. Didn't want you to think we were you know, forgetting about everybody there. So my first Do We Understand story, this is disgusting. It's absolutely gross and disgusting, and I I want people to send me DMs if you think I'm wrong, which happens anyway after the show for some reason. (laughs) Peeps coming out with a Pepsi flavor. I'm going to scratch that one off my list. Did you have that? Yes, I did. It's too good not to have. It, it and I'm going through today and I don't know if it's already out but it's like it is grotesque and I'm going through the market today in Walmart there was peep cereal we have to stop with the peep stuff there is nothing more unhealthy in this world as far as a candy than peeps it's just sugar marshmallows is all it is and I used to be a peeps guy but they make my stomach upset. They make me feel, you know, not healthy, like in the least way possible. And now you're going to bring out a soda, a Pepsi, not even Coke. Coke doesn't, Pepsi is a second class citizen in this whole soda battle anyway. And now you're going to bring out a Peeps. That's, I, I do not understand this. <clears throat> Let me say this with no uncertain terms. There's a reason that Coke is the best soda in the world and that they don't have to partner with some sugar duck that blows up in your microwave to make people care about them. I don't know what else you want. Why Why is my question. I know there are people out there that like peeves, peeps, whatever. I don't care. This is, this is absolutely absurd. What did, 
Pepsi's already straight. I mean, Coke, soda's straight sugar anyway. So what difference does it make that you put peeps in there? That's a heart attack in a can is what that is. That's like when someone orders a McRib sandwich at McDonald's and you're like, what are you doing to yourself? You can go pair with a peep sandwich or a peep soda. Peep now. soda yeah. I mean, I mean, because that can't taste good either, right? That that just can't taste good. No, it absolutely can't taste good. Well, that's what that's what I mean is I, I'm not here to pick on your preferences, but like I'm I'm a Coke guy. Are you a Coke guy, Pepsi guy? I'm a huge Coke guy. Most people that I know are Coke or Coke products people. I like, and, you know, sparingly, I like Coke. I actually don't mind Coke Zero. I like Cherry Coke, the Vanilla Coke. I didn't even mind the Orange Coke that came out. I thought that was fine. It wasn't my favorite, but I thought it was fine. It seems like normal flavors, right? Things that you might be able to pair with a soft drink. Why? Why would you do it with peeps? What what logical sense does it make to try to extract the flavor of a marshmallow duck and put it into your so I whatever. I'm I I hate it. it I, I certainly don't understand it. It makes I don't know. Yeah. I'm I'm at a loss for words because it just it sounds disgusting. And the best thing that Pepsi does is not even Pepsi; it's Mountain Dew. I don't even. I, I always struggle with what products fall under which line, so I'm I'm probably bad about that. But I'm sorry, but Coke is the superior of the distributing companies. I I stand by that as yeah. far as taste and actual product lines. I I don't mind Mountain Dew. I find that Mountain Dew is always a little iffy for me. It either is really makes me really energetic or makes me really have a headache. Um, but Sprite, Sprite's Coke too, right? Sprite is Coke. Sprite, Sprite's under the Coke banner. Okay, so that's the one. That's the one Coke drink that gives me a, a knock against them because I've actually not been able to stomach that for years. But point Sprite? is, yeah. Wow. Sprite gives me a massive headache now whenever I drink it. I don't know yeah. why. It makes no sense to me, but Coke, give me, give me everything Coke. Maybe I don't need the Sprite personally, but let me tell you something. Peeps Pepsi is not the way to do it. Peeps no. cereal is certainly not the way to do it either. No. You can put marshmallows in my cereal, but it better say Lucky Charms on the front of it. <laughs> so my second do we understand story, I can't believe this happened. A paparazzi agency got bankrupt, went bankrupt over a legal battle with Meghan Markle after the fiasco that was the Oprah uh, interview, and they are now bankrupt. Uh, chapter 11, uh, closing their doors at the end of the month over the legal battle with the whole Meghan Markle interview. I don't understand that. I think we've covered that we don't understand the royal family, but Meghan Markle keeps coming in the news. They hired some PR team in the U.S. today her and Harry did, and it just keeps seems like they're covering their tracks for the debacle that was a few weeks ago. I I, I have given up on trying to understand anything about this story at all from either the side of the royal family or either the side of Meghan Markle and, and Harry or whatever their names are. I just, it doesn't make any sense to me. You know, I, I 
there's there's nothing about the royal family we've we've touched that that makes sense to me but i i also i can't seem to understand why you would i i don't even know where to go with this because it just makes no sense to me i i don't understand why it's such a big deal you have money you have apparently they're still not like completely like detached from the royal family yeah, half royals I don't understand. She's the one that's buying the peeps Pepsi. Well, someone has to. (laughs) I I guess if you have money, you can try that. But you know what? My hard-earned money is not going towards peep Pepsi. I'll buy something I actually like, like a strawberry Arnold Palmer. Oh, wow. Strawberry. Okay. Okay. Did you know that Arnold Palmer has gummies? I did not. Game changer. I, I have yet to try them, but I saw them on their website, and I was like, you know, the stimulus package is coming soon, so you know, uh, you have to uh, give, yeah. give, give a try to the straw or the uh, Arnold Palmer gummies, huh? Yes. Yeah, now, didn't need I, it, but I, I'll need it. I don't understand the story though. How how is a paparazzi agency going bankrupt with because of Meghan Markle? Like, I mean, the it seems like. She is, and maybe this is, I don't think this is a hot take. I feel like in America anyway, maybe even in Britain, because I think I heard John Oliver say at one time that like people in Britain don't like the royal family sometimes. I feel like she's one of the most hated people in the world right now. Wouldn't shock me. Wouldn't shock me at all because... Um, I think we talked about it, but when you basically, I'm not, I'm not saying that we shouldn't support people's wants and needs and, and such, but you know, it's hard for me to feel bad for people that cry about the luxuries of life that have money. Mm. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. You know, if you have millions or whatever amount of dollars, you're like, I just can't believe that this I'm, I'm sorry, but you're, you're part of the people that can make this change to make it a difference to where it's not that way for other millions of people. I don't know. I just, I, I can't seem to understand why uh, people are, are buying into this almost. I think of it as a facade with Oprah and them, like three of the richest people in the world. And everyone's like, look how hard their lives are. <laughs> seems, um, seems a bit stretched to me. Yeah. Yeah. So so um, I, I'm, I'll limit myself to one here. I, I really only have one. Um, I did have peeps, Pepsi on my thing, which, I mean, just proves how outrageous of an idea that is. So we love March Madness, right? We understand the love of March Madness. You know what I don't necessarily understand about March Madness? And we see this every single year with March Madness. When your team gets beat in the tournament, the camera people of the world are told to find the saddest kid in the stands and focus in on them absolutely crying their guts out that their team lost. And then we blast it on social media and make a meme out of it. I'm not necessarily sure I understand why we continue to do that. I guess to show the heartbreak that March Madness causes. I mean, there's that one kid from the Northwestern uh, tournament game. 
uh, whatever it was, five, six years ago, that he was like an emotional train wreck. That is, that kid has to be like 16 or 17 now because he couldn't even like open his eyes. He was just crying so much. And then the, the girl from uh, the Villanova game, she was, uh, they lost to, I think it was North Carolina State. And she's playing the trumpet and she's crying while she's playing the trumpet. That's a that's a legendary internet moment right there. That's not even March Madness. That's legendary internet stuff. So my my issue is is where it comes into the line of kids basically because like the Villanova girl, correct me if I'm wrong, she was in the marching band for the. Yeah, she was in she was in the marching band for Villanova. Okay, so like, I feel like we can exploit adults like this, but like. Are we really, do we really need to go after kids and be like, oh yeah, look at this kid deeply upset that, you know, I, I will admit that sometimes I invest myself too much into sports. Uh, I don't think I've ever cried over a game personally. The only one that probably would have came close would have been the Steelers loss in Super Bowl 45. But I, even then I was like, well, can't fumble the ball whenever you're trying to score touchdowns. But I just, I, I don't know. Like, I, I think I almost feel like it's acceptable that you do it to adults, but like finding the most like devastated six-year-old kid and being like, Haha, we got him. We can put him on the internet now. I, I, I don't know how I feel about that. I just feel like that's wrong. Like why, why are we exploiting children like this? Like they're younger. They have more emotions in that sense. And like, when we get older, we learn to table them and channel them towards things. So like, like I'm, I'm just be, I'll be a straight up honest here. If you caught me at a tournament game crying, me, put it on the internet. Absolutely. Go for it. Don't do it to the seven-year-old kid that's devastated that his team lost. Like, it's funny if I do it. It's not funny if he, he or she of, of the seven-year-old variety is doing it. And it's going to happen again this weekend because oh, it's beat 16. 100%. I, I feel like, I feel like though, we usually see it more in the first round, like in that like first big upset, mm. because it's always a team that, you know, you don't, well, Northwestern was a little bit different because like, it was what, like the first tournament that they ever made in school history. Exactly. So it, was, it was a big deal that they were even there. And then they lost a heartbreaker of a game. Like, I don't blame the kid. You know, if I never got to see something and, and even if I was an adult, like I get that. Stop, stop showing kids on the camera. Find, find the adult from the Washington football game a couple years ago, sitting with his poncho on, throwing popcorn up at himself. Give me that guy every day because that's entertaining. Oh, the Washington State guy. Yeah, that's a legendary Washington. internet. Yeah, that's legendary internet stuff. Yeah, that um, is actually my hero. I've never said that publicly, but that's what we all aspire to be in life. I also love the people that are now at Florida State games after they won a championship what felt like forever ago. <laughs> in 2013 and when they get blown out now they're, they're just people sleeping in the stands like in the hot florida sun spray painted in like red and gold i i don't feel bad for people that go to games spray painted and lose no you have made a decision to alter your body for the next four hours if you have to sweat it out in a 62 to nothing blowout that's on you buddy there, there's a great seinfeld episode called the face painter where david putty he paints his face for a devil's game and like elaine's like i can't be with you you're a face painter so he comes back and he's like i'm not gonna paint my face well then he lifts up his shirt and he has the letter d painted on his chest like those guys are always crazy too right like the the people that paint themselves because i 
I can get up for a game, but painting yourself has to take a long time. Oh, it absolutely does. Um, the only place where I will allow it is Buffalo because mm-hmm. Buffalo seems to just do whatever they want anyway. And it, it doesn't really make a lot of sense, but it's so fascinating that it doesn't even matter, but it's so fun to watch that you just roll with it. Um, but I feel like maybe even in Buffalo, like they're not necessarily so concerned about painting themselves. They're just about waiting until that late December game that's 10 degrees and taking their shirts off. It doesn't necessarily have to come with paint. They're just excited to be shirtless in the stands. I think that's an acceptable occasion. And then the two other acceptable times are World Cup status uh, for FIFA World Cup, men's or women's, mm-hmm. and the Olympics. Those are all acceptable occasions because you're showing pride for your country there. So Yeah, I can understand that. You even see a lot of like face tattoos and stuff. Yes. Which which I, I, deem, I deem fine there too. Yeah, I get that. But yeah, paint, painting your whole body going to a Georgia Tech Florida State game in 2020 or 2021 is just. Yeah, like on a Saturday afternoon at like 430. Imagine telling yourself, I'm going to paint myself to watch the triple option. <laughs> well, the, the process, I don't know what would be longer. The process painting your whole body for the day of going to the football game or coming back and then washing yourself off because that has to destroy the plumbing system. The consequences of the action are worse than the actual action. Yeah. That's why I don't think I would ever support it because it's, it's not even necessarily painting yourself. That's crazy. Like I think about painting yourself is fine. It's, it's the process after. Because then you got to go back to your dorm room and go into the community shower and you're like, well, we got blown out. Well, good thing you're gold there, John, because it didn't seem to help us at all. So thanks for, thanks for spending mom and dad's money on that. Right. So we can preview. Oh my gosh. It's yeah. Ooh, Is it March? sweet 16. Um, I do not like when the sweet 16 is on Thursday and Friday. So with the change that they pushed it one day over, I don't like that they moved it from Thursday to Sunday for the opening weekend to Friday to Monday. However, what that did benefit was the sweet 16 in the elite eight, because the sweet 16 is now going to have more of a brighter spot than being sandwiched on Thursday and Friday. And the elite eight was always weird, right? Because the elite eight, it's like two o'clock and six o'clock on Saturday and Sunday. And then that's it, you know, so you're not in prime time, but Let's go through Saturday slate. Oregon State, Loyola, Chicago. This is your classic. I don't know who the better team is, but I feel like Loyola, Chicago might be the better team. Oregon State might be more red hot. I do feel like the country's pulling for Loyola, Chicago. I'm not. I would like to see Oregon State make it even further because they were picked to finish last in the Pac-12. Now they win the Pac-12 tournament. They get into the March Madness tournament. Now they're in the Sweet 16. That's incredible. Keep the story going. I would like to see Oregon State beat Loyola Chicago. The other side of that, though, with the story is, though, a sister Jean, and everybody loves that story and gets everybody. behind it. Um, also, too, there's a great uh, fake sister Jean account on Twitter if you, if you want to check in on that. 
a fake picture of her sitting on the bus that says, get in losers, we're going to the Elite Eight. So <laughs> can definitely can definitely get behind that. Look, see, what I hate about this game, though, is, is I certainly don't have a dog in the fight. What I hate about this is this is the classic. You didn't expect either of these teams to get here. So now we have to watch one, quote unquote, Cinderella or not expected team get eliminated in the Sweet 16. So it's it's positive that one will move on to the Elite Eight, but it also stinks because there is the possibility potentially of two teams making it to the Elite Eight to get to the final four that were not expected to be there. Villanova Baylor. Man, I, Villanova has been shooting the ball well lately. But Baylor, they're the tricky one seed out of the remaining one seeds left, right? Because we know from watching them, they play really dominant inside the paint with Jarrett Culver. However, it seems like lately, especially, well, you can't really count the Hartford game other than the first half, but their shooting on the outside is not what beat Wisconsin. What beat Wisconsin was they were just forceful inside the paint, getting to the free throw line, making their foul shots. And that seems like a typical Baylor team. But to be honest with you, I would rather see Villanova win this game because if Baylor makes it to the Elite Eight, I think they're going to make the championship because I feel feel like that this is their last hurdle. And I don't want to see a Baylor team in the final. It's, It's nothing personal against Baylor. I just don't want to be watching Monday night championship basketball with Baylor as one of the remaining teams. It's funny though, because there have been other times where we thought that Baylor could make this run and just have not been able to, but given the situation of this year, this could also again, be their best shot to do it. Now, it doesn't come easy against a Villanova team, which they kind of fall into a category that we talked about earlier in this. Don't count out teams that have won championships before and have coaches that have been there. So I, I think I think this matchup probably favors Baylor a little bit if they can play some bully ball and, and get ahead early and just play defense. But at the same time, this is going to be one that I think probably comes down to the wire because – Villanova knows how to get there, and and Jay Wright's not going to leave them hanging. So I think Baylor ultimately wins, but I think Villanova stays in this the entire game, and it would not shock me if Villanova ended up winning this game over Baylor. The next game's in prime time, and don't be shocked if you look at ratings and this gets a college football-type number, um, similar to what happens in the fall where big games will get 15, 16 million viewers in college football, 20 million for, you know, Ohio State, Penn State, whatever. This game, because it is Oral Roberts, 15 seed, people aren't worried about Arkansas. People are wanting to watch Oral Roberts, and that's the way it was for Florida Gulf Coast. But it's going to draw massive viewers, I would imagine, because Arkansas also has a chance to make the Elite Eight for the first time since, I believe, the 90s, since 96, 97, I think. Don't quote me on that, but it'd be cool to see Oral Roberts make the Elite Eight. I think this is where the run ends. If they get to the Elite Eight, expect that Monday night game for the Elite Eight to be a massive viewing because the story will continue. And people love a good st- – that's what one of the things when George Mason went to the Final Four in 06, right? Everyone couldn't believe that this was happening, and they loved the good stories. And that's why Butler, Loyola Chicago – you know, Wichita State, BCU, you name any school that's a very good basketball school, 
but not in a power five and they get to the final four people love those kind of things and i'm sure people would love oral roberts but i think arkansas's fast pace is going to hurt them and uh down in the second half and they might end up pulling away and win by nine or ten this is another one of the games where I don't want to see either of these teams eliminated because of course we love Oral Roberts run as a 15 seed. Everyone wants to see them. Like, I mean, if, if, if you told me at the end of the season, I know this would make some people mad. I don't think this is going to happen, but if you told me that in two weeks I'd be watching Oral Roberts in the championship and they could potentially win it, I would not care. I love that. I think that is, I, I think that would almost warrant its own 30 for 30 documentary, right? Again, I don't think it will happen. I agree with you. I think this is where the run ends. I think Arkansas is too good of a team, but you know what? You probably could have said that about Ohio State, and you probably could have said that about Florida too. So here we are looking at what could potentially be another 15th seed in the in the Elite Eight. But uh, I, I stay I stay on the, the bandwagon of Eric Musselman with, with Arkansas, though. I think he has the team ready to go. Uh, I think they are they – are, really focused in on him. I, I think that of all the coaches that I've, I, I can't really say that I've paid attention to Eric Musselman before March Madness, but he really seems like he has a good band of guys right now that are, that are ready to make a deep run here past the sweet 16. He's a great coach. If he's playing that money championship game, you wouldn't be shocked. I mean, I'm I sure people has that have that in their brackets anyway, because they're a great, great team. They are truly one of the best remaining teams. I would say they're one of the top three or four remaining teams left in the in the Sweet 16. Uh, the 11 seed zone, um, University of Zone Defense versus Houston, the 9:55 game. Uh, look, the the zone and Jim Beheim's co coached uh, you know the University of Zone for you know 30 some years, so. <laughs> It seems like Houston is a good team that played in a bad conference. However, the fact that they've got to the Sweet 16 has surprised some people because they also were one of the interesting teams that didn't have a delay all year with COVID for the most part. They played in the AAC. You can look at whatever you want about that conference, and it's terrible. That conference is one of the worst this year. But, I mean, Buddy Beheim, if he plays like he did against WVU, on Sunday, it's game over. Because that kid shoots the ball and is having one of the hottest streaks I can remember in the last two or three years in a tournament right run right now. It's funny because I think this is gonna be a game where you where you look at it and, and obviously Houston's the higher seed, but I think what this game comes down to is how well does Syracuse shoot? Because usually you would put the ball in the hand, not to, you know, make a basketball reference here, but you would usually put the ball in the court of the team that has the higher seed and how are they going to control the game to do it. But Syracuse in the first two rounds has looked so good that you almost say to yourself, well, if they shoot the way they've been shooting, I don't know if anybody can, can play with them. It's going to be about control. Look, I understand Houston's a great team and, and also has the dynamics to move on, but Syracuse is a surprise of this tournament. And, they're also one of those teams that because it's happened before, they don't shock me when they move on because it's almost like they play for March and April rather than play for December and January. Mm. Moving on to Sunday, Creighton's first ever Sweet 16 appearance. That is pretty amazing. The fact that this is their first ever time as a basketball school ever, ever in the Sweet 16. You would think this is something they've done year after year, but
but it hasn't been. And they've had some, <laughs> we're not going to get into it, but they've had some issues, right, over the last uh, month or so, wouldn't you say? And they're playing against Gonzaga, who it seems like everyone in the country is feeling like this is going to be a 20-point win. I don't see it that way, but I do think Jalen Suggs will be too much for Creighton. I think I think Creighton's problem is they, they played – their first game against a 12, 12 seed UNCG, uh, UNCB, I believe. And then their second game was an easy wash as well. So Gonzaga is about to have their first tough test, though, um, because it didn't look very tough for them the other day against Oklahoma. It looked like one of the easiest games I've seen them play all year. I really am starting to think this might just be a year that we see Gonzaga in the championship. Uh, I I know that Creighton will show up to play, but I think that Gonzaga will win this game. And and they, I don't know, it just feels to me like they're destined to make the final four to the championship. I can't really explain it. It, it just feels like we've we've talked about it for so long that this might just in fact be that year. I don't think Creighton's a bad team. I just think Gonzaga is better, and I think they're going to continue to carry that momentum on. I think this is where it ends for Creighton. I'm shocked to know this is their first first Sweet 16 too. But um, you know, this is this is very much the uh, the quote basketball schools game, right? You don't really know uh, many other sports that these teams play just because of the way that the national media presents sports. But um, I think Gonzaga takes this one. I bet Gonzaga probably has like a really good water polo program. You know, I have a friend who went to Gonzaga for uh, for his master's program. I'll have to get in touch with him and ask him what what other sports are, are kind of on their big and prominent radar out there in Washington. Like, because WVU, uh, we're good at uh, basketball and rifle. Right. That, that's what we're good at. Right. Our women's soccer team shows up, you know, pretty much every year or two. But, I mean, rifle really is our most successful sport, so – yeah, you, the uh, Olympic sports, as they're typically referred to. I, I wonder where else uh, Gonzaga lies there. <laughs> Oral Roberts and Arkansas might do the biggest rating, but this is probably the best game of the remaining Sweet 16 teams. Florida State, Leonard Hamilton, Jawan Howard, Michigan. I am so excited for this game. Michigan, I don't want to jinx them, but <laughs> I haven't uh, had a good track record lately. Uh, Michigan and then Illinois, and Illinois gets bounced. But Michigan, man, they the way they space and they're going to play Florida State, a team that was in the ACC championship game just a few weeks ago against Georgia Tech. Now they've looked dominant as ever in their their March Madness run so far. I don't know what to think of either one of these teams going in and feeling like I feel like Florida State could come away and hit a three at the end and, and pull it out. I feel like Michigan could as well. But I tell you what, man, I really love this Michigan team. And I would not be disappointed if we got a Gonzaga, Michigan, you know, yeah, that game that down the road. Be, yeah, that wouldn't be bad at all because then you, there, there are some situations where you, again, like I, I'd say, like we root for Oral Roberts again in the championship because we love the story. But I think there's also the other crowd that's like, no, at the end of the day, I want the two, you know, there, there's probably every year we say there's probably 10 teams that can actually win the championship. And I think coming into the tournament, you would have picked Gonzaga and Michigan as two of the teams to win the tournament. I don't think that's far-fetched at all. 
But you know what? Doesn't it also feel like Michigan's carrying a lot of weight with them because of the way that the Big Ten has performed in this? I'm not suggesting that they feel like they have to carry the Big Ten because they're worried about themselves and playing, but don't you almost feel like there's some extra pressure and that could almost favor Florida State a little bit in this game because everyone's focused in on Michigan and the way the Big Ten's performed? Well, Leonard Hamilton's one of the best coaches in the country, and he's never been to a Final Four, and he's been there since the early 2000s. So I wouldn't be shocked if he's in the Final Four, but I would love to see down the road if it is Gonzaga and Michigan in a Final Four matchup. If that's a matchup that we get, would not complain at all. UCLA, Alabama. Wow. Wow, 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 UCLA. They they are shocking a lot of people. No one, no one thought they'd make it past Michigan State because they should have lost that game, to be honest with you. Um, and they're here. They're going to play Alabama. <sighs> I really like Alabama, man. I, I really think that out of the teams remaining, if I had to pick a matchup right now that's in the championship, it would probably be Alabama and Michigan or Alabama and Arkansas. And I think that's – I don't think it would could be Alabama and Michigan. I don't think the bracket would fall that way. But I'm just saying Alabama is so, so talented. And uh, talk about a, a school that's a football school for the first time in a long time. They have a really good basketball coach and a really good basketball program. And I feel like I would love to see UCLA win and get back to the Elite Eight for the first time in a long time. But I don't think that's going to happen. Alabama's too good. They're too good of a shooting team. I just don't feel like Alabama misses. I watched a little bit of their round of 32 game and I was like, when, so when, when do they not make threes? Because that just feels like all Alabama does. I think this is a great run for UCLA. And, and I honestly, I know there's no such thing in sports to many as a moral victory, but I think you have to feel good as UCLA making it to the Sweet 16. I, I think this is where their run ends. I think Alabama has too good of a team. But, you know, stranger things have happened. And, and that's, that's, you know, all it takes is one bad shooting game on the outside from Alabama, and they're not able to work the ball in. Uh, and UCLA has a lights-out game. I mean, it's, it's the um, – how do, how do you word that? The saying of you play the game 100 times – Alabama wins at 99, but we watched UCLA win at once. I think we're going to see Alabama win this game. But, again, good good run for UCLA to make it as far as they have with literally no expectation. Uh, unless UCLA wins, we're going to have a Pac-12 team in the Elite Eight. If UCLA wins, we're going to have a Pac-12 team in the Final Four. Mm-hmm. But Oregon-USC – Man, Dana Oldman, I'm surprised that people don't talk about him enough. He's one of the best coaches. He took them to a Final Four a couple years ago. And look, man, Oregon, they've had one less game than everyone else. And it seems like that benefited them the other other day. And I also feel like it's going to benefit them against USC because they do have a little bit more fresh legs. However, in their regular season matchups – Oregon played really well with USC and USC coming off a high win like that against Kansas. I feel like I don't think it's a letdown spot, but I do think Oregon is just going to play the way they've played 
the, the last couple of games in the Pac-12 tournament and, and the game the other day and just really space well, play great in transition. And to be honest with you, they make their free throws. They're one of the best free throw teams remaining in the tournament. Literally every time a game ends, the first stat I look at, if it's a if it's within like six or seven points, the first stat I look at is free throws. It doesn't matter what game it is. doesn't matter if it's my teams, other teams. If there's a game in the Sweet 16, round of 32, whatever, if it's within a couple points, the first stat I look at is free throws because those are easy points. And if you miss more than six in a game, probably probably shouldn't be um, – I've never played college athletics. I'm not going to say they shouldn't be playing college athletics because they would dunk all over me. Point is – um, I think I think Oregon still does have a little bit of an advantage here, but it's also nice that it, this almost evens the playing field a little bit with the rest in this sense. I think Oregon really got that benefit in the round of 32 just because they didn't have to play the first round game and it wasn't so close as a back-to-back. I think this evens it out a little bit, uh, but I will tell you that if you would have told me earlier this season that we would have the potential of three Pac-12 teams in this kind of side of the bracket uh, with Oregon state also in there, which I don't think anybody thought was going to happen. The potential of, you know, the four one quarter of the sweet 16 is pac 12 teams. I don't think anybody would have believed you, but here we are with a guaranteed one going to be in the elite eight. So, well, it's Pac 12. It's the first time since 2001 that a conference has had at least four teams or more in the sweet 16. And you would have never guessed that it would have been the Pac-12. No, everyone would have thought it was the Big Ten because they were the story all college. Ba- I mean, the way Oregon dominated Iowa the other day is incredible. And if they do that to USC and whether it's Alabama or UCLA for their next game, dude, I'm telling you, if, if, if a team from the Pac-12 wins a championship, I mean, it's possible. I mean, it, it's not like out of the realm anymore. Like it's possible one of those four teams could somehow win the championship. We everything's still on the table. It's still March and and we're living for April. So Monday morning headlines. uh, I really just got uh, one. Sorry, Oral Roberts. You have to get on the must bus like everyone else because Arkansas is very good. That's my Monday morning headline. So mine is actually, I'm going to harken back to my hot take here about the Bristol dirt race uh, that I believe that driver Kyle Larson is going to dominate this race. Uh, So Kyle Larson was suspended last year because of some um, racist language that he used, but has been through the trainings and such. You know, it doesn't change the past, but he used a lot of his time to race dirt cars wherever he was suspended. He didn't finish lower than second in every single race, except one where he finished sixth. He was either first or second in every single race that he ran so I really think this is going to benefit him. So I think Larson takes home the championship from Bristol Dirt on Sunday. But March Madness is Sunday. That's going to be fun. There's more Penguins hockey. There's more basketball. We have a fun weekend of sports ahead. This is the kind of weekends that we love. Opening day is coming up. It's- Are you actually going to watch March Madness? Yeah. Okay. I'm just Sweet 16, baby. This is, this is where it gets fun for me. Um, Oral Roberts, if they beat Arkansas, whew, their admissions office is going to need to hire extra staff because 
People, did, people were, someone told me the other day, they actually Googled where Oral Roberts was because one of their friends is looking at going to college. And true enough, his friend filled out an application for Oral Roberts. Go, go for it. Where It wasn't Oral Roberts, but there was one of the universities that said that it was Abilene Christian that based on their run or their win in the tournament against Texas, the revenue generated from applications and everything Abilene Christian with like buying merch was a couple hundred thousand dollars or something like that. A couple, excuse me, maybe even a couple million. So like you might just think like, oh, that's a good story for Oral Roberts or Abilene Christian. But when you do something like that, it actually makes these universities a ton of money on the back end. Ryan, if they want to follow us this weekend, how are they going to do that? And if they want to listen to us, where are they going to do that? Well, you got to get your preview first. You got to listen to the March Madness preview before you can watch March Madness. So check out our episodes on Apple or Spotify, whichever your preferred platform is, to Ryan Sports Show on Apple or Spotify. Make sure you like, subscribe, rate, review, all that fun stuff on those platforms. But this weekend, again, like we mentioned, big weekend in sports. You're going to want to make sure you're following us on social media too. So make sure you're following us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok for all the latest updates of episodes, all the latest tweets, all the latest happenings of the sports world. Because like we mentioned, we got a big one this weekend. So make sure you're checking us out on the episode front first. Apple or Spotify, Stu Ryan Sports Show. Find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Two Ryan Sports Show on those platforms as well. And we'll see everyone next week. Please do not drink any uh, Peeps Pepsi and just watch basketball. Just enjoy a Coke and watch some basketball like a good American.